Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. It's a joyous day. Today is a big day in the province of Ontario. You use the word joyous. Joyous I, is right. Because that's how you feel. But holy shit, there's a lot of people that don't feel that way. And you'll hear about it. You'll hear about it if they don't. Hi, guys. If your Facebook or your Twitter is a little quiet today, it's very simple. Just type in masks. That's all you have to do is say masks as your status. And people are going to have an opinion. You're going to get some feedback. We really are divided. And nearest I can tell. It's not as bad as it was, but we're divided along political lines. And it seems that those who are more conservative are ready for the mandates to end. Those who lean a little further left are not ready for the mandates to end. There also seems to be a bit of an age divide, in my anecdotal opinion. Seems like older people are devastated that the masks are coming off and younger people are like, hell yeah, let's get rid of the masks. I honestly... I've been waiting for this for a while. Not that I was in a super huge rush to get rid of the masks. I don't think that that was something that uh, was on my radar. I mean, there are other mandates that have to go. Some of them that make no sense at all. Some public health officials should be fired. Many of them actually should be fired. And and, and, and I'm going to stand by that. Mm -hmm. The mask mandate, I probably would have been okay with it sticking around for a while longer. But having said that, I realize that it's my choice. Just because the province doesn't tell you how to live your life doesn't mean you can't still live the Doug Ford way. Yeah, and you don't need to... Can we stop the Doug Ford, the Doug way. Ford way? But can we still... Can we all agree just not to get mad at someone else for their choice? Like, that's the problem with that I had this morning in looking at some of the comments with this um, announcement. And as we record this podcast, obviously most of you guys know the announcement hasn't been made yet. Uh, we might even be able to carry some of it. But we're totally anticipating that to be the announcement March 21st. And depending where you live, it's going to be in and around that day, depending on when when your city claims they can get their stuff together by. However, when people comment on this post, I'm noticing that say something along the lines of, okay, I'm going to still choose to have my kids wear their masks in school. I still plan to wear my mask when we go to the movies and when we go to the grocery store. Why do people have to fight with someone about that? Like, again, that is their choice. Like, this is what I don't understand is stop berating someone who's making a choice for them. They're not saying I'm going to go to the theater and put a mask on all of you people. They're not saying that. No. They're saying they're making a choice for themselves. Stop. My own, my biggest problem right now that I have, like, I, I don't give a shit what you do. I don't give a shit what you do with this announcement. You can be excited about it. Great. Good on you. Go maskless. Enjoy yourself. You can be a little more hesitant and be like, you know what? Maybe I'll avoid certain places for the time being. Great. Again, your choice to make. But for the love of fuck. Can we stop calling them face diapers? Who started this and can you stop? I don't care where you stand on the issue. Stop. You it's, don't like face diapers. That, could you, have you seen how many people call it? Good. It's about time we get off with these face diapers. Like you're gross. Stop saying that. It's a mask. You can mm-hmm. say mask. I understand you don't like it. That's why you use the term face diapers. But stop calling them face diapers because it's gross. It is awful. I, I don't know why, <laughs> why that's do a that? thing. Um, okay, uh, well, yeah, let's all agree that face diapers has got to go. And the masks are going to a week from Monday, the day kids get back from spring break. No masks will be required in indoor settings in Ontario. And that's good. I mean, we're we're 
at the right time where adults can be adults and make their decisions and parents can be parents and make some decisions on behalf of their children. Mm -hmm. You mentioned something very interesting, though, and I like that. Why are people so hell-bent on what other people are doing? Why do you feel a need to get so involved in what someone else is doing? It's a, a bizarre phenomenon that I find really goes back to the vaccines. That was almost sort of what empowered certain people to think that they can control what happens in someone else's body. And let's be clear. It's the exact same argument. If you're one of those people that was naming and shaming and demanding firings and demanding that people not get EI over vaccines, you're someone who wants to have total control over someone else's body. If you're flipping out about the masks, you want to control someone else's body. And I thought we all agreed at some point here, my body, my choice. But apparently not. There's some people who think your business is my business. Even though I don't know you other than on Facebook, your business is my business and my business is making sure you wear a mask. That has to stop. It really does. Look what it's done to us since last year. It hasn't even been a year since the mask or sorry, since the vax mandates came into place. And look at how polarizing that got and not Mm -hmm. for the better. The mask thing, it seems like it's a little more chill. But you've got to stop telling other people what to do. There's some people who are going to make mistakes and they're going to catch COVID because they weren't careful. That's just the way it is. They had a choice and that's just the way it is. We have, let's take a little trip down memory lane here to remember how we got here. Let's start off with the news that started coming out of the CDC in America just over a month ago. Listen to this. Of course, it's not going to play for me right away. Of course, it's not. Here we go. The overwhelming number of deaths, over 75%, occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. So really, these are people who were unwell to begin with. That was the director of the CDC acknowledging that a lot of the deaths that got chalked up to COVID over the last two years had four other comorbidities. Four of them. Okay, well, that's not, I wasn't wearing my mask and uh, my buddy had it and I caught it and I died. No, that wasn't that. That was people that were sick to begin with. And that's a direct quote from the director of the CDC. She said people that were sick to begin with. Let's talk about kids because I know that there's some people out there who think it is time to free the children. It is time to tell the kids to take the masks off and be kids again. But others are thinking, well, no, they haven't even approved the shots for the, the young ones. They, they can't get boosters. Let's listen to Dr. Fauci talk about that. But the other important thing is that if you look at the children who are hospitalized, many of them are hospitalized with COVID as opposed to because of COVID. And what we mean by that, if a child goes in the hospital, they automatically get tested for COVID and they get counted as a COVID hospitalized individual, when in fact they may go in for a broken leg or appendicitis or something like that. So it's overcounting the number of children who are quote hospitalized with COVID as opposed to because of COVID. Mm -hmm. In Alberta, yeah, in Alberta, they have already taken the masks off the kids in schools. Their numbers have dropped. 
their hospitalizations and their ICUs continue to drop. And I think that's important because that is a good that at least we can relate to, too. In every sense of the word, they're still going. They actually suffer worse winters than we do, for example. So there's a lot of indoor activity happening there and they're going mask off. For me, I personally feel confident. I've got uh, a child in JK. And for me, like the social aspect of it all is what crushes me with these masks. I'll give you an example. You know, uh, my my kid's really excited. You know, at lunchtime, she gets to see her friends' faces. And that's been the only time she's been able to in her whole school career thus far, which is not even a full school year. But that's the only chance she gets to see her friends' faces all day long. So she gets to wave at them and she smiles and she gets to see what they're eating, but they can't talk to one another. They're not allowed to speak because their masks are off. And that breaks my heart. Like that kind of thing breaks my heart. I understand the initial reason why they decided to do it this way. And as long as schools are in, you know, I mean, I'm personally happy. Do what you got to do. It's certainly not the teacher's fault. Uh, It is certainly, I don't even really put blame on anyone because if that's the way we can make school work, that's great. But for me, the masking can hold you back in those in those social ways. I mean, she's used to it, so it's not like it hurts her feelings. It just crushes me as a parent to hear like, I, I forgot to tell my friend this because I thought of it at lunch and I'm not allowed to speak out loud at lunch. And I'm just like, ah, like I hate that. So I like that hopefully things like that are going to change inside the classroom. I totally understand. And I know there are some um, teachers, for example, or any educational workers that are going to choose to wear their masks still. Again, that's fantastic. That's fine. And there's going to be parents who think the opposite of me, like, no, I'm glad. Don't talk at lunch. Wear your mask. I'm making my kid. Cool. Is your kid going to follow along with that when all their friends aren't? If that's the case, I don't know. But that's, of course, your business and your business alone. Cool. But for me, I'm I'm happy to see it. And I look forward to the, the, that freedom. It works in a lot of daycares. You know, it works in a lot of daycares. There's times where you have to shut down. There's times where there's illnesses and you're, you know, it's passing through. But we're hopefully at a point where it's going to pass through each class, each cohort. I don't even know if we're going to use those terms anymore. It's going to pass through. There's going to be illnesses. There'll be tummy bugs. It's COVID related. It's non-COVID related. It's basically what it was like before all of this happened a couple of years ago. And I'm okay with that. I'm ready for it. I understand that there's going to be illnesses that are going to go through my house with all of this happening. I understand the potential for that is going to be there now. Whereas before I didn't feel as afraid of it. Yeah, but I'm ready. I'm ready to get back to it. If you're uh, concerned about lifting the mask mandate without many people having received a booster shot, for Mm -hmm. example, let's remind you what they said about the shots, that they don't stop transmission. But what about uh, all the fully vaccinated people who get the breakthrough infection? Can they pass it on? Could they pass it on to their children? Could they pass the virus on to older people, especially more vulnerable people with the underlying health conditions? And that's exactly the point that we made in our guidance. So yes, they can with the Delta variant. And that was the reason that we changed our guidance last Tuesday. Um, Our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death. They prevent it. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. So if you're going home to somebody who has not been vaccinated, to somebody who can't get vaccinated, somebody who might be immunosuppressed or a little bit uh, frail, somebody who has um, uh, comorbidities that put them at high risk, I would suggest you wear a mask in public indoor settings. And let's please just keep in mind that since the vaccines can't stop transmission, since this never was and definitely is not currently a clear and imminent danger to kids, since you can still wear the mask if you want to, I really don't see why this needs to be an issue that people fight over. I don't know why there's 
already public health units coming out saying, well, just because the province does it doesn't mean that we're going to do it. No, you should do it. You should absolutely do it. Once the chief medical officer of health, Dr. Kieran Moore, the man we were all told to trust since day one, once he comes out today and says, we're lifting the mandate, they are no longer required. It's no longer a necessity to require them. Then I hope you will do what you said we should do. All of you going back to the beginning. Everybody has said, trust the science, listen to the doctors. There's the top doctor saying the way it is. And I hope that you will respect that. If you are a public health official and someone who technically has the authority to override the province, please ask yourself why. Why? Why would you do that when other countries, other provinces, including this one now, have said it's not necessary? Why would you make that compulsory when you're elected by adults that you don't want to treat like adults? Uh, Back to the schools for a second. There are still public health units in Ontario, I I believe Halton is one of them, that cohort kids outdoors and make them wear masks at recess. Seriously? Seriously? And I'll ask you one more time, are you serious? Really? You just want people to follow your every direction and not ask why. Well, I'm asking why. Why would we cohort kids, keep them away from their friends outdoors at recess, let alone with a fucking mask on outdoors. Where is the common sense here? And frankly, if people are going to keep doing, or sorry, not people, if public health officials are going to keep doing nonsensical stuff like that, one of two things should happen. They should lose their decision-making authority or they should be fired. It's remarkable to me that with some of the miscues and mistakes that have been made in all of this, none of them lost their jobs. None of them. We know thousands of regular people lost their jobs over this, but none of those decision makers did unless they stepped down voluntarily. I kind of wish more would look in the mirror and say, well, I really fucked this up and put people in a bad spot. I should step down. You don't even see that, really. Mm -hmm. It's time for common sense to prevail. And the common sense aspect in all of this is adults. You are trusted to drive a car. You're trusted to run a business. You're trusted to raise children. You can be trusted to make a decision about whether or not you should wear a mask. And if you think about it and analyze it and think, I just don't feel ready yet. That's fine. Yeah. Totally fine. I actually respect that. If you've gone through this for the last two years, being traumatized by the nonstop fear of those numbers and what could happen and that that science fiction table and the monstrosity that they've been publishing for two years if all that got to you i totally understand it and i understand why you're worried all you have to do is worry about you and your family you don't need to worry about your neighbors you don't need to worry about your coworkers. you don't need to worry about kids in other schools you need to worry about you and you protect you i gave an example this morning on the radio if i go to the superstore or Walmart. I'm not wearing a mask. Once it's not required, I'm not wearing a mask. I don't think they're necessary and I don't think they ever were necessary. There's a reason that they were be a, they were allowed to have a lot of people in them whereas the mom and pop shops got fucked and had to have like almost nobody in them or got shut down. They're big open air spaces. I'm not going to wear a mask when I'm walking through the the oil change section at Canadian Tire. 
but I might put one on when I get to the checkout and there's like five, six, seven people all in line, less than six feet apart. Mm -hmm. I might do that. That's for my own protection. And that's me putting to use what I've learned over the last two years that this virus is airborne. It affects older people and those with pre-existing health conditions far more severely than it impacts other people. But there are exceptions to that too. There's young, healthy people that have had bad outcomes because of this. And you never know if it's going to be you. So protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Get vaccinated. That's a good plan too. If you're not already, you should get a shot. They last for at least a little while. I'm wondering what businesses individually are going to choose to do, because if you take a look at what's happening in a lot of the states that lifted the mask mandate early, I noticed still there were a lot of uh, businesses. Um, I'll just throw it like a Starbucks as an example, right? Starbucks chains. Hey, you work at Starbucks. You're still wearing your mask. These mask mandates may be over, but during your shift, you know, when you're on shift, you're wearing your mask because there may be those people that are uncomfortable to be around, which doesn't make sense to me, by the way. If you don't feel comfortable at all, why are you walking into a Starbucks? You know, like, I, I don't know. So that kind of doesn't make sense, but I wouldn't be surprised. But I'm curious to see how many uh, businesses are going to continue to have that. You know, restaurants, bars, uh, especially so those social types of, of spots. Well, even Walmarts, like even Walmart workers, uh, grocery store workers, will they have to continue to, to mask even with these mandates lifted? Only time will tell and each company may come up with their own, uh, they're, obviously they're going to come up with their own conclusion to that, at least temporarily. Uh, on the note of the booster too, I I know booster numbers had declined and you had that this morning in your in your news. Yeah, I'll just recap. It was yeah. almost 90% with one shot, 85% with two shots, 54% yeah. with booster shots. I, I mean, I have a theory on that because I, I just relative to everything, everyone around me anyway, when I've had the conversation with them and they haven't been to get boosted yet, it's either I already had COVID. I've been there, done that. I feel like I don't need a booster. Yep. It's what the fuck is the point at this at this time? Because we're we're dropping mandates and we're opening up and why do I need to get boosted? Like, I feel like I just want to move on. And a lot of people just questioning generally whether or not we need it. And again, the science shows, of course, you get better protection. There's no question about it. But people are still... For a while. For a while. Yeah. But, but people are still hesitant or they feel like, okay, I'm going to do this on a yearly basis. So in July, for example, when I would have had my second booster last year, one year from then... That's when I'm going to get my shot and I'll take it on a yearly basis. And who knows what's, what they'll end up deciding. But I wonder if that's part of it is that a lot of people said, I'm not going to bother getting boosted. I already had COVID and I know what it's like and I've been through it. And I, I feel it's not that you feel completely immune to getting it again, but you probably feel the sense of like almost relief. Like, finally, I got it. It's done. It's in the books. My family and I had it again. Not to say you can't get it again. We all know you can but they probably don't feel the need to be boosted because they already had it. Millions of Canadians have had COVID-19. Yes. Millions. Yes. And recovered and done just fine. Yeah. They have. And and to, to keep dragging the whole of society, including kids, down this path of hide and be afraid isn't healthy. Mm-hmm. It's really time to let adults make their own decisions. And I think that that's what the premier is about to do. I think that's what Dr. Kieran Moore is about to do. He's also going to outline, and I do think this is important, today in his news conference, his last one, by the way, the last scheduled news conference from the chief medical officer is happening today. After that, he's only going to come out if there's an outbreak, if there's a huge wave or a new variant. He's going to fade into the background as he should. <laughs> no offense to him, but I don't want to see his face again after no, today. <laughs> I really don't either.
And you know what? If I do, I hope it's for something exciting. Something fun. You know? Could there be something fun he could say? Anything? Anything <laughs> other than COVID-19 would be wonderful, to be perfectly honest with you. But it's um, he's going to come out today and he's going to outline the guidelines now going forward on how we learn to live with and manage COVID-19. We're going to manage it like we manage the flu. Maybe there's an all hands on deck kind of situation in flu season where we don't let a lot of healthcare workers take time off in a particular couple of weeks that traditionally have shown us high hospitalizations. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's hiring more people. Maybe it's different types of treatment. We have the antivirals now, and hopefully they're going to announce that soon you can do what you can do in America. In America now, they've changed their policy that you can go into a a Walgreens pharmacy and get a rapid test. And if it's positive, the pharmacist right there on the spot can give you a prescription for the antivirals. Take these and you're definitely going to be just fine. We need that here. We've had a lot of time to procure those antivirals. And hopefully we have enough that Canadians can get them easily and accessibly if they want or need them. But the other thing that he's going to outline is the isolation and quarantining requirements. This is important here, guys, because if we're going to remove the masks, if we're going to have the freedoms, if we're going to be able to make a choice for ourselves, then it is essential. It has to be done. Whether you like it or not, whether it's feasible or not, you got to stay home when you're sick. If you're sick, if you've got symptoms, any of the symptoms of any kind that you see on that, the, those screening tools, I think, the, especially the school ones, still go way too far over the top. But I mean, let's be honest. If you're sick, you're sick. If you feel like something's coming on, you're probably getting sick. Stay home. That will help us to be able to stay on this path and not have another wave that's unique to Ontario. We don't want that. Let's just do the basics, and the basics are simple. Protect yourself where you need to be protected. If you're interested, get a shot, and if you're not interested in that, at least have the info on the antivirals and stay home when you're sick. If we can do those things, life will be back to normal very soon. I think so, too. Um, Just one last thing on this, and then we'll move on, because I do believe Doug's about to speak here. I mean, the podium's set up, and he's got the backdrop with all kinds of nurses back there, and... Oh, this is great. We just gave them all $5,000. It's it's a retention bonus. (laughs) Okay. All right. We all know what that is, but that's fine. You go ahead and do it. It's not like the liberals didn't do shit like that, too. So fine. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's fair game. Um, the Twitter doctors, the ones who have been really, really, really over the top, and particularly in the last two weeks, you can see some of them that are shit scared that they're losing control here. They're losing their audience. I saw one of them yesterday say, if you support removing masks, you don't care about disabled people. You don't care about people that, uh, have, uh, pre-existing conditions. You don't care about your neighbors that have, uh, uh, Im- that are immunocompromised. You just don't care. You're a bad person if you support. Bad person, yeah. You know, we did a lot for two years, a lot more than would ever have been expected of us. 
We did do that. We've got the tools to manage this. The people who are more vulnerable know they're more vulnerable and they will have an expectation now to be extra vigilant Mm -hmm. for their own health. Or at least they'll have the option to. Yeah, that drives me crazy. And you wonder if it is like a 15 minute of fame thing. And maybe they are trying to be um, legitimately seem like they're caring about people. But you're not. Don't people realize how it works? You're not going to bring people to your side when you speak down to them like that. None of them have learned that. In two years, they still think shaming is the way to go. But it's amazing to me. Like, you're actually going to do the complete opposite. And the more that you say shit like that and make people... Or attempt, I should say, because it certainly doesn't make me feel bad. But when you attempt to make people people feel a certain way just to bring them to where you are because you, of your following and, and what you see around you, you know, that's just a disgrace. Like, you're, it's an absolute disgrace. You're not, you're not a social leader. You, you know, you're a doctor and you can, you can say what you want to your patients at your time, but stop putting that shit on other people. When you really say that someone doesn't care about someone else, there's That's, a ton of people that care. Stop. Yeah. You're just doing things to try to squeeze your narrative in there and, and try to make it seem like that makes sense. Yeah. If I don't do it, I stop. Just stop. Thank you. I agree with you. Uh, let me just check in with Doug here. Is he in? Is he here? Well, I mean, the nurses are all standing there not treating patients. They have to stand in front of the uh, strategic plan 2020 to 2025 backdrop there. Oh, there's that music. There's that shitty music playing in the background, <laughs> which is really just to taunt the reporters on the line. Can we get like a can we get like some licensing happening here? Like, I mean, this is the province of Ontario. Like, can't we at least try to get like a, a Canadian artist in on this? That actually, I mean, it's hard, I guess, to find someone who's okay with doing something when there's an announcement about something poli- kind of political at the same time. You can't tell me you can't like have someone out playing the guitar while we're waiting or you know, can't we make requests like play Sweet Caroline <laughs> while we're waiting <laughs> for Doug. <laughs> like, come on. Like we need to do something here. It's you terrible know, waiting for these. Maybe we've just seen too many of them over the last couple of years, though. I don't think you can see my screen from where you're sitting. No, are, are, I can't. Can you just sort of take I a can find it, quick look at, at these? Here, I think I can slide my screen over there. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take a look Aww. at these three <laughs> fucking nurses here that probably. That, no, you know what? Not even probably. I am 100% confident that those nurses at that hospital in Brantford have got better things to do than be a prop for the Doug Ford news conference here. But here we are, and they're standing around like, can we fucking get on with this? And no, no, the the Doug is late here. It's eight minutes past 10 o'clock. He's late again. Here's another man who apparently hasn't learned a goddamn thing in two years that the one thing that really, really, really bugs the electorate here, Doug, is yeah. when you are late. Yeah. Fuck you, Doug! <laughs> and there's no excuse for it. Being on time is common decency, and you're late again. It's obnoxious, and I want it right in your campaign platform next time, fucker. You put it right in there that every news conference I do, I will be plus or minus two minutes of the time it's scheduled for. I really do wish that we had like some background on that more specifically. I want to know exactly what happens. Like, does someone schedule it in and say, oh, uh, Mr. Ford, the conference, uh, just so you know, and they're clicking and clacking away at the computer. We set it for 10. And he's like, oh, shit, you did that again, man. Like, I, I got to do this at 10. I'll be there at like 10, 10. Like, does that, is that what happens behind the scenes? Like, oh, I'm mad that you did that. Or is he like, 10 o'clock it is. And he's like, nope, I'm fucking late every time. Yeah. Every single time. It's just a blatant. I don't get it. It's a blatant disregard for people and their time. And, and doesn't even address it. 
No. And no one even asks. That's what bugs me about, though. Whoever gets to ask him a question, you've asked some great questions, but that's one that I would love answered. And you know what? When we get toward the very, very end of this thing and it looks like we are coming close, I wanted just a Q&A of that. I want to know why you were late all those times. Explain to me, mister, what job allows you to saunter in sometimes a half hour, 40 minutes late? It's obnoxious. Without an excuse. Without even addressing it. And just continue on making the money that you make. No problems here. Not even a sorry I'm late. Nothing. 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 Ever. Dude, you're in a hospital during a pandemic surrounded by nurses that are standing around to be a prop in your news conference here. The least you could do is be on time, Doug. Oh, we're getting the two-minute warning here. So Doug will be roughly 12 minutes late for his 10 a.m. news conference. That's okay, though. Um, Quick opportunity. This is from Reddit. Man told his wife... You know, I gotta get rid of this shitty music. (laughs) Never play that shit again. A guy posted on Reddit that his wife told him she will only have a baby with him if he agrees to pay her $50,000. Both of them are big earners. They make about one hundred seventy-five grand each. Boy, life would be good with two people making $175K. Comfy, right? right? They've been together six years and are not legally married, but they did have a commitment ceremony two years ago. They've always kept their finances separate and split everything 50-50, including the mortgage. They both want kids. But she recently found out that when she goes on mat leave, her company only pays 50% of her salary for six months. Because of that, she thinks he should help out financially and cover the 50 grand in her salary. Otherwise, she's the only one taking a financial hit. She also found out she can take an additional six months off unpaid. American mat leave is awful, by it's, the way. And it does go company by company. Obviously, whatever do- job she has, it's a great job with fantastic benefits. And that would actually qualify as an, believe it or not, here in, in Canada as a fantastic benefit. Like, you're going to pay me half my salary for six months? Like, that's pretty incredible. And it is incredible. So if she takes the other six months and makes it a full year, she wants another 50 grand. So right. 100 grand total to have his baby. People online are pretty split on this. And yeah. frankly, I can't understand why. Really? So you 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 see it only one way. She has uh, the uterus, which would carry this baby for uh, presumably a, roughly nine months. Correct. And and yes, she is the one who will bear most of the burden, if nothing else but health burden. Yep. And, and there certainly are risks that go with a pregnancy. What she seems to not understand is while in practical terms, her and her partner there are both very successful, each making 175 k a year. Yeah. They're up there in MPP money. That's that's pretty good. But you can't split a baby down the middle. It becomes a joint responsibility, and your two becomes one when you have a kid, particularly when you live together. Your finances, once you have a kid, if you want to keep them separate, I'm sure it can be done. But the expenses for the kid are... Uh, Expenses that you should probably amalgamate your expenses on that anyway, whether it be to save for the education, to buy clothes, to buy furniture for the baby. The thought of paying her money out of her, their coffers so that she can stay home. I, I understand the premise. I certainly do. It's just, you're talking very arbitrarily about something that's a fluid situation. There's going to be a lot of expenses that come with that baby. If you're going to split those down the middle, I don't think you're thinking practically here. Getting paid to stay home, 
I don't think that works. I think what I'm missing from this is, does she want a baby? They both want kids. She does want They both kids. want them, yes. Okay, so, so it's not like he's like, come on, let's do this, we gotta do this, it's now or never, I want a baby, I want a baby. And she's like, I'm not so sure, but... Okay, so she actually wants the kid too. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. This, really, I would file under, that's their business, like whatever they come up with. I could see how some people would be totally cool with that because it is the woman who takes who has to bury a lot of or or, sorry bear a lot of those burdens that come along with it and I hate to use that word because it's for the most part it's a wonderful time it's it's wonderful it's amazing it's love like you've never felt in your whole life it's good for everybody but yeah you do feel like you probably take a a bit of a hit on that and when your career is I assume as important as this person who makes one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year roughly she's worked really hard to get there She's worked her ass off. I feel like there, there could be a compromise there. Now, I doubt that it works the same way it works here where we, she, he could take a paternity leave, but that's something I would maybe put on the table. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking is maybe you should definitely split. I shouldn't say maybe, definitely. You should definitely split that if that's the case. If that's possible, and I don't know how it works, but I, I would assume and I hope that paternity leave is possible so that maybe six months of the, that paternity, he's the one that's not making any money, but he's off for six months with their kid. I feel like that's fair. Yeah, that would be a fair compromise. I, I just, like I said, you can't split a kid down the middle and it seems like they're very, very uh, diligent about making sure that things are 50-50. It doesn't work that way with a kid. And I would also point out that if he has to stroke her a check for 50 grand because she carried the baby and took six months off work, it's very transactional. It almost seems like you're buying the baby, like you're paying her to perform a service. And and that's really not how the the parenting process should go. I think they got to find a way to make this a little more family and a little less accounting. Yeah, I think that they're obviously very logical thinkers instead of emotional. But the big thing that they're missing here and they'll never they'll never get until they have that kid is that their feelings might change. And I mean hers and I mean his once that baby's here. Because sometimes you have this idea in your mind of what it's going to look like and maybe think, I'm a logical thinker. If I'm having a baby, you're going to pay me. And And then you have the baby and you're like, wow, I've never experienced anything like this. Like I said, it changes your mind on a lot of things. You do things differently in life. You see things differently. So a lot could change. But she is the one that's reaching out to people for thoughts on it. It is her, right? It's him. It's him. Okay, so he is the one that's reaching out. He feels gross about it. Okay, well, uh, yeah, I mean, again, that's a, really is a conversation you have to have with your spouse and decide if, if she's adamant on that, it is her body and she's the one that's going to make the baby. Deci- you have to make the decision. Do you want to do that or not? It's really your business. If that's what someone had decided to come up with, okay, as long as that baby is loved and taken care of and I'm sure that he or she would be, I mean, that's all we as a society really need to give a shit about. And really what it comes back down to is, and maybe you heard this conversation yesterday on International Women's Day, is there needs to be much better supports in place for women who have babies Mm because they're the ones who have the babies and they suffer the disproportionate burden of having children whether it be the the maternity leave far more common than paternity leave there is the child care expenses and so on and so forth there really should be better supports in place for women so they don't have to be completely disconnected from the workforce and in a case like that six months and get your ass back to work or you don't get paid That's fucked up. It's way worse in the States than it is here. I will say that much at least. We've got guarantees galore when you take uh, a maternity leave as uh, as a mom, as a parent in general. But you've got guarantees. And it's not the case there. Uh, Good news. Douglas Ford out of town. has reached the podium. Guys, this is a historic day in Ontario. And you're about to hear it. 
Two years ago, you probably remember where you were. It was at night, and I think it was a Thursday when we heard the NBA just canceled a game tonight, like minutes before the game was supposed to start. And then the next day, the NBA has canceled the season. Then the NHL had canceled the season. Then we heard from our leaders, we're going to have to shut the country down for two weeks. We need two weeks to flatten the curve. It's probably going to be two weeks. We got to shut everything down, stay at home, only essential businesses open, and people were quite scared. I remember that like it was yesterday. The problem is it wasn't yesterday. It was two years ago. Well, here we are, almost two years to the day. Doug Ford is about to announce, essentially, the end of the government response to the pandemic. So much. Uh, thank, thank, thank you so much, folks, and, and good morning. And I, I just want to thank uh, Will. Uh, you know, w- without Will pushing this, and I, my favorite saying throughout this pandemic, you're beyond someone like an 800-pound gorilla. He is the 800-pound gorilla, and he he was on our back because, honestly, th- this just wouldn't happen without uh, Will really, really pushing it forward. I don't know who Will is, and, and I don't and care. I, I just get on with it. Again, the, the mayor is Mayor uh, Bailey, Mayor Davis, and... And my right-hand person that's been beside me, uh, shoulder to shoulder. It's like he just got reelected. What's yeah. he doing? For right from the, the beginning of our, our mandate, but over the last uh, two years, as, as the best uh, minister of health, deputy premier you could ever ask for, Christine. That's laughable. Christine's been working for the people of Ontario for over 16 years, and and uh, I'm going to miss her. Uh, she's just a wonderful person, big heart, and her family and has a friendship going way, way back. Um, for close to probably 20, 30 years. But I, I want to start by taking a moment to thank the outstanding staff here at Brandt Community Healthcare uh, System. And again, as I mentioned to the, the nurses when I met them earlier, uh, we wouldn't be able to get through this and, and get to where we are without the incredible work that you are. So I'm speaking for everyone in Ontario. We're just so, so grateful. And we thank you from the bottom of our heart. Uh, Dr. David McNeil, you led an incredible team here. Uh, thank you for your leadership, along with uh, Chief Hill of the Six Nations. Chief, great to see you. And uh, I'm not too sure if Chief LaForme has arrived yet, but I want to acknowledge uh, Chief LaForme of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nations, uh, who are here today representing the Indigenous partners that we have an incredible relationship with. Friends, after two very, very long years, uh, we've, we've come so far. Now, because of the sacrifices made by every Ontarian and the amazing care provided by our healthcare heroes, we've been able to safely and cautiously reopen the, the province. Our government has a plan to build a stronger, more resilient province with a health system that can respond to crisis. Today, as part of that plan, our government is delivering on our promise to bring real help to the people of Brantford. We're stepping up with investing $2.5 million to support the planning grant of Brant Community Healthcare and the major redevelopment of this project, and it's going to be a beautiful development. This is the first step of a redevelopment that will see an ex- expanded Brantford General Hospital with a new patient tower a renovated intensive care unit, updated surgical suites, and an improved mental health and addiction care. It will add 70 much-needed new beds to the hospital, bringing capacity to 380. 
This redevelopment will help put patients first and serve this growing community and everyone who calls it home. Here in Brantford, instead, we're government saying yes. Yes to building modern hospitals. Yes to investing in everyone. So he just did an announcement about hospitals and nothing about the masks, which is what we were led to believe this was. Premier Ford, Minister Elliott, and MPP Boma. This is a momentous oh, occasion. Off. This is... Uh, yeah, they had announced that something... We're sorry, there was reports that there was going to be an announcement regarding hospitals. So I think we're not surprised by that. But at the same time, wouldn't you not lead with the masks? Is you going to get to the masks? You'd or? think you would lead with that, right? I mean, that's what everybody's tuned in for. Not to hear his fucking shout-outs and all that other nonsense it, that he does. Wait a minute. Is he actually letting Dr. Moore do it at 11? Yeah. Fuck you, Doug! <laughs> I guess he's letting Dr. Moore do it. Are, are they really going to get to the Q&A portion of this and then say, you have to wait for 11 o'clock when Dr. Moore speaks? I hope not. I would assume the health minister is going to speak at some point. Don't get me wrong. Brantford has needed a hospital upgrade for a very, very long time. They've been neglected and overlooked for a very, very long time. Absolutely. This, this victory lap that they seem to be taking here, this campaign-style announcement, go to Queen's Park and make big announcements. Go out on the road when you want to do local hospital funding announcements, Doug. I mean, this is not what people are tuned in for today. We want to know what's going on. I'm sure even the people in Brantford are like, yeah, that's great. Now, about the masks, let's go. That's what everybody's waiting for. So I don't know why they decided to plan this the way they did, but that is uh, that's disappointing. I was hoping that we would catch Doug talking about something good, uh, like the end of the masks, which... Maybe it is good. Maybe it's not good for you. Either way, it's going to get said. It'll be announced within the next hour as Mm -hmm. we record. Mm -hmm. It's just, I guess, Doug himself didn't want to say it. Oh, is that it? In case this backfires, they don't want the words coming out of Doug's mouth that the liberals can use in a commercial against him during the campaign. It's really hard to say. I mean, uh, every every move has been quite political, so that's possible. Absolutely. Maybe it was a promise to Dr. Moore that, yeah, 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 you get out there and you announced that shitty announcement a while back, so we're going to let you have a good one. Um, so that you stay true to my team and support me. Could be any number of things. I don't know. Yeah. Well, like I said, that was disappointing, but we are coming to the end of this episode of After 9. So, guys, here's what we'll do. We will watch the rest of the nonsense that comes. And, And by the way, it is nonsense. Let's be perfectly clear. This was a lot of eyes expecting one thing, Bait and switch. Doug comes out and makes a healthcare announcement. And, and what was it he said about how uh, great our hospital system is that's prepared for any contingency? No, it's not. If it was, we wouldn't have been shut down four times. Four times, Doug. It wouldn't have happened that way. So it's clearly not ready, uh, but it is good anytime they do invest money into healthcare. So credit where credit is due. It took a lot longer than it should have, but Brantford is finally going to get a hospital upgrade. God knows when that's going to be done, but at least the money is allocated. So that's good. Oh, one last thing. A uh, couple people uh, since the last time we spoke have entered the conservative leadership race. Oh, yeah. L- Leslyn Lewis is in there. She is a Toronto lawyer, and she finished third the last time. It was Erin O'Toole that won the last one. Leslyn Lewis came in third. She had a good showing for someone who had never even been in government okay, before. Okay, great. I'm going to have to get to know who that is. She is, uh, uh, well, we can talk about that closer too. It's not until September that people vote. Right, so, I mean, yeah. the whole thing is kind it's of pointless. a while away. But one thing I am excited about is uh, Patrick Brown is apparently going to announce he's running. Huh. Sorry, I just looked over at the screen and he now there's two other people that have gotten up to speak since Doug finished his speech, whatever that mess was. 
Jesus. Anyway, Patrick Brown is uh, someone that may even come on the pod. I hope he will. Uh, I've known him for a very long time, and I'm I'm hopeful that he does decide to go in because he would be an excellent leader. I know we have a lot of listeners um, of the podcast in, in Brampton, so they can probably let us know. But he's a pretty well-liked mayor there. He is. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, for the most part, you hear a lot of good things. He's very... Um, he, he, you can talk to him easily from what I can see and he's available. He's very available, which is good. And it seems like a genuinely nice guy. I did meet him like a while back. You and I actually a couple of times, a couple of events he's been at that we've been at, but okay, we'll keep our eye on that. That's great. Uh, Doug just came back up to the podium. So let's hear what, if, if oh, he's God. actually going to say anything. I imagine the first question is going to be the question that everybody was tuned in to hear anyway. Yeah. So let's get to it. Questions from the media. If those with questions could please form a line behind the microphone. We'll go one at a time. <laughs> Big line. Uh, one question and one follow up reporter. What are we, Thank you. Why isn't he doing this at Queen's Park? This is oh. stupid. Hi, Good how morning, you doing? Premier Vincent Ball from the Brantford Expositor Hi, here. Vincent. I'm wondering, sir, if you can tell us a little bit about the, 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 the decision for a redevelopment here versus a, uh, a brand new hospital on a green space, if there's anything you can tell us about that. Yeah, I, on, honestly, Vincent, I, I think the best person... Honestly, Vincent, uh, I have no fucking idea. This. this is just what they told me. <laughs> uh, the minister... I don't have that in my notes, Vincent. The, yeah, the, the Vincent, uh, you, that's a great so question. Much. Maybe I'll ask that one myself. Why didn't we just build a new hospital? Can we repurpose the old hey, one? I don't fucking know. Thanks for the idea. Why are we even here? Yeah, I don't even know how these <laughs> things work, to be honest with you, Vincent. I've never once held a hammer in my life. You know, you see me wearing a hard hat and a vest sometimes at these photo ops, and that's just a photo op. I don't even know how to put it on, and in case you noticed, it doesn't fit very well. Can we build a hospital with a tiny shovel? Because I happen to have one of those. I've got a real small shovel, but it, it'll clear a lot of debris and dirt. If you want to dig a hospital, I'm your fucking guy. You just call me the next time it snows and I'll get you a hospital built in a day or two. Can we get a cheesecake factory inside the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> what a letdown. Uh, yeah, back to Patrick for a second. Um, he just settled his lawsuit with CTV News. Quick recap, Patrick Brown was poised to be where Doug Ford is now. Patrick Brown was leading the he Ontario would've. he would have yeah. he was leading the Ontario PC party, massive lead over Kathleen Wynne in the polls, and then this story dropped out of nowhere just months before the election that Patrick Brown was accused of sexual misconduct uh, against a couple of women. CTV, as part of the settlement, has now acknowledged they should not have published that story that was factually incorrect. Patrick Brown has maintained his innocence all along. And since then, he has left provincial politics. Prior to being in provincial politics and leader of the Ontario PC party, he was a member of parliament in Ottawa for Barrie. He moved to Brampton, took over as mayor. Uh, one of the things that I would really like to have in a prime minister is a prime minister who gets it, who understands it. Uh, Justin Trudeau, unless it's an election campaign, doesn't spend a lot of time cutting ribbons when there's a grand opening of a business. He doesn't spend a lot of time going over zoning laws and and things like that. He doesn't go to a lot of community barbecues unless there's some votes and, and money up for grabs for him. He just doesn't do that. That's not what he does. Patrick Brown is someone who has led one of the biggest cities in the country in Brampton. He has been a leader of the PC party provincially. He's been a member of provincial parliament. He's been a member of parliament, someone who knows how Canada works, how Canada can be run federally, but still works on a municipal level that affects all of us in our daylight daily lives. It'd be really good to have a prime minister who's been on the other side of the books and understands how transit systems get funded and how projects get built. That sort of thing. Who's really dialed into small business. 
uh, that's the kind of thing that Patrick Brown brings to the table, and I hope that people give him a serious consideration when it is time to vote. And that's assuming he's in. It's just reports right now that he's in. I hope he is, because I think that'd be great for Canada. Uh, okay, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for wasting 10 minutes of our time here, Doug. I, it, it, 10 minutes? I mean, over the course of a couple of years, it's been more than that. Well, seriously, add it up, right? How much of our time has a been week? wasted by that? You know, I... Why on earth he decided to do this announcement today when everyone was waiting for the mask announcement? I guess we got to wait till 11 for that, and we will. Have a great day, guys. You know we'll be all over this tomorrow. We'll catch you right back here for another episode of After Nine. Gas prices were already on the rise, and with the decision to ban Russian oil, they're higher than ever before. Gas prices are so high, the Indy 500 was just changed to the Indy 5. Meanwhile, in another blow to their economy, today McDonald's announced that it was closing all 850 of its restaurants in Russia. Yeah, we don't want their oil and they can't have our grease. That's what we said. That's what. The makers of Mountain Dew recently announced its new so-called legend flavor, which appears pitch black and tastes like blackberry, citrus, and ginger, as opposed to regular Mountain Dew, which is yellow and tastes like yellow. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky said in a recent interview that the coronavirus will probably be a seasonal flu. Okay, but is it going to be regular seasons or like seasons of The Voice? Because they have like nine seasons a year. The After Nine Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it.